Hello and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Flavia Munn, editor of Nursing Standard. This episode is exploring nursing leadership and how to make changes in your workplace or profession. So how do you achieve change in your workplace? It can feel like an impossible task in a healthcare service where there are many other competing forces, such as short staffing and underfunding. Or perhaps you feel you are too junior or inexperienced to be able to influence and lead change. But is that true? Joining me to discuss this topic is Nicola Bailey, who is certainly a change agent and has an award to prove it. To summarise her achievements, Nicola was working in Belfast in 2020 and as a sexual and reproductive healthcare nurse, awaiting the implementation of new laws to decriminalise abortion in Northern Ireland. But then COVID-19 emerged and there was a stall to the rollout of regulations that would permit terminations in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy in any circumstance. With no services in the Belfast area and lockdown preventing women from travelling to England for terminations, Nicola quickly set up the Rose Clinic, providing early medical abortions up to the 10th week of pregnancy. Nicola persevered with this work despite protests and political resistance, and her work in revolutionising sexual healthcare in Northern Ireland saw her named RCN Nurse of the Year in 2021. So I'm delighted to have Nicola, who now works in London, here to share her experiences. So hello and welcome to the podcast, Nicola. Hi, Flavia. Thank you so much for having me. This is one of the podcasts I've been itching to do, (laughs) so I'm delighted to be here today. Excellent. And I want to also congratulate you on your OBE, which I have failed to mention in the introduction, which is a complete omission. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely fine. Thank you. It was um, a bit of a shock getting a phone call from the Cabinet's office saying you're on the honours list and I'm turning around and saying dear what honours list because <laughs> I was actually just home from work and um, she caught me off guard and then she was like did you not get my email and I went no and then I got the email and I was like okay so holding that under my collar for six weeks was pretty um, unfair. Wow. unfair but um, it was like okay I'll wait and yeah I'm absolutely delighted it's great for women's health care. Brilliant thank you. So um, to start on on some of our, our questions for today um, I mean to to put a sort of no finer point on it your achievements are, are major and, and significant uh, but when you started on this journey were you consciously aware of, of the magnitude of, of what you were do- doing and um, where do you start with with such a mission? Honestly, I had no idea that I would actually win RCN Nurse of the Year or any award for setting up a service. For me, it's a part of healthcare. It was something the women needed um, in Northern Ireland. And we had been waiting on the law to come into place. And it was just like, okay, COVID's here. What do we need to do? And I think that was, now looking back at it, I was literally in the corridor walking down to my clinical room and I was literally stopping my life, we need to step up and early medical abortions. I was like, right, okay, what, what do I do? And then I started looking at England and things like that. And we literally um, just moved it forward. From there, it was like, okay, if somebody's already doing it, 
I don't really need to reinvent the wheel as long as I align it with the laws in Northern Ireland, then we've got this. Um, we looked at BPAS, Mystopes, what um, low sensitivity pregnancy tests they were using. God help the man. And when I phoned him in the company, I was like, I need these shipped ASAP. And he's like, I will have them to you in a day. I was like, perfect. Um, the God, the control dog cabinets, they trying to get the, a hold of those. Um, in the middle of a pandemic because there was so many wars popping up it was like so I was literally bargaining with companies going no they need to come to me first <laughs> um it was just absolutely crazy but I wouldn't change an element of it and um, I had to figure out my way also it was new for me it was new learning the education for me also as well as other staff so I literally think I drew a mind map and went, where do you start with this? And where do we need to go? What is it I need to implement and make sure that patients are safe, staff are safe. And I actually, somebody came down to me one day, it was the senior manager and they were like, Nicola, do you think we should let the PSNI know just that we're doing this? Because um, my Stokes had already been in Northern Ireland and were left and there was issues there. And I was like, don't worry, already went on to them all sorted, they're coming around to do um, a crime prevention report and tell us what we need. And they were like, you are on top of this. And I was just like, yeah, all sorted, don't worry. And I think, you know, would I, moving forward with like a mission like that, it was just, it was huge, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Cause I was like, how do I set up this service? And my history alone, when I was, um, I have had a termination and, you know, I know what it was like. Unfortunately, I had to go to England and I was, it was just an experience that I never wanted any woman to go through. And so that was my drive behind that service, making sure that it was suitable for the women that we had coming through, making sure they had their pre and post um abortion care and I think you know my termination had taught me a lot and what patients need and I think that's how I developed the service. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing about your your personal experience I know that's the first time you you've sort of spoken publicly about it um the the sort of personal impact on you I mean what what was that like? Um, I was, it brought up a lot of memories about what had occurred with me, but it also made me a bit more resilient and headstrong about what I wanted <laughs> at service, to be honest. Um, I was like, I think because I was a patient myself, I think it literally drove me then to make sure that I could provide the best care that I could for my patients. Um, you know, I women used to come in and I think people thought that we were dragging people off the corner streets. I was like, look, it's a referral process. We don't go near anybody. And I think that's what people think that we do as abortion providers, that we go out and seek. We don't. We The women come to us because they are desperate. They need it. 
for whatever reason at the end of the day I'm not there to judge and I then was just um wanting to have a service for them that I know that I probably would have liked also when I was a patient mm. that makes sense um because I felt a ban well I was I came to England and had to go back to Northern Ireland because at that stage it was illegal and I think you know I had no post abortion support or anything like that and I think you know that's why I was trying to make sure that it was one of the best services that we could get out plus I didn't want it to fail um at the end of the day we know abortion a lot of people call it it's a controversial subject and people have their opinions on it and people are entitled to their opinions on it and I completely appreciate that but as a clinician just allow the clinicians that want to do it to do it and get on with their work and make sure that women have safe free legal abortion care at the end of the day we're not asking anybody to come into the clinic that didn't want to do the service and that's one of the things that I made sure with my staff I got I emailed them out and I was like look we're setting up this service who is a conscious objector and who is not a conscientious objector because at the end of the day I didn't want to put anybody in that position to be in the clinic when this was occurring because that's not fair on them either and I completely appreciate that so my thinking behind that was I'll protect you as my staff member and put you in one of my hubs and um, while we're doing the terminations on particular days and um, you know I think it worked out well and I don't know whether staff appreciated that or didn't appreciate it I didn't know whether they felt like abandoned or not because of certain days but behind it there was that logic that I needed to support use for conscious objectors but also conscious objection only supports you from handing out a pill but I didn't want to force anybody to be in a clinic that they didn't really support if that makes sense yeah yeah definitely and and um that kind of leads me on really to, to what I was going to ask you about and some of the 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 protests you know you've experienced uh, daily protests outside oh, the clinic and, and political resistance as, as well to your, to your work. I mean, how did you keep going in those circumstances and, and where did you find the energy? Um, all I can say is the patience. It was the patience for me. At the end of the day, it was hard. It was more hard for me seeing the patients having to walk through that and take it. Um, because of the way our clinic was shaped and the safe access zones weren't there like our doors were in the middle of this building and basically because we were in Belfast city centre they could stand directly outside the door so they were basically walking down an, an walkway with um, pro-life groups on either side and they had to walk up the middle and it was horrific um, dealing with that so I sometimes would have went out to met the patients and you know patients were scared actually leaving the building so I would have put on my coat because I was in uniform they can't touch me if they did there would have been problems so I would have walked patients out there was a big boot at the end of the street and I would have brought patients in there 
and I would have said like there's multiple exits go where you need to go get to your car and get home I don't think people actually believe that that was occurring like I watched them chase somebody down the street one day and I was just like are we actually in the 21st century where this is happening um, they were pushing like leaflets into people's handbags. Um, I remember meeting a girl at the doorway because I would have kept the doors open. Um, and basically, as soon as I got into the, uh, as soon as the patient got into the hallway, they were shouting, save a baby, save a life. And, you know, it's one of the most difficult decisions a woman will have to make. And I know that from my own experience. Do I regret my decision? Absolutely not. There is women out there that will regret their decisions, but for me, not to be able to protect the patients the way I should have been able to protect them, that was one of the hardest things. How I kept going was knowing that I won't let this service fail and that this, the patients need this. Um, because I don't want them going to backstreet clinics. I don't want them going online and they don't have that support. You know, I actually did... A patient phoned me up one day and she's like, nurse, was it meant to hurt that much? And I was just like, pardon? Because we haven't given her treatment. And I was just like, did you come to us to get your treatment? And she was like, no, I got them online. And I was like, okay. And were you given any information? You know, were you told? Didn't have any painkillers. Ended up in any departments. And this is the problem sometimes with getting your pills online if they don't come through a proper provider. So this woman's like, look, nurse, I was really, she was like, and I was just like, I'm so sorry. Because she was because she was intimidated about coming through the clinic because she didn't want the protesters to see her. Um, that's what happened. And she ended up in the NA and that wasn't the case for that woman. You know, we would have given her the proper painkillers, the proper pain relief. Pain colours, pain relief are the same thing. I'm <laughs> just thinking that. Um, you know, we would have given her whatever she needed and she would have had access to a phone line to one of the staff there. It was normally me holding the phone for patient um, complications or if they needed just reassurance or anything like that. And I think that was one of the hardest things. And one of the hardest also things was that it wasn't being highlighted by the public health agency that they weren't promoting where women were to go because they were going to unregulated services then and I and it was just it killed me but I have I literally would have just went home and literally had to decompress from it all like I would have probably I probably was eating a bit more chocolate than I probably needed to be. <laughs> probably food that I shouldn't have been eating. But um, I think, you know, I did try and go out walking as much as I could. And, you know, the staff that is in the clinic are absolutely amazing in the Rose Clinic. And basically, we would have just supported of each other and we would have debriefed if we needed to debrief. Um, and that's one thing that... I love the debriefs because sometimes you just would have went in and sat in the room and just went, did that actually occur? You know, um, not from the fact that we were giving them terminations, but from their stories. Mm -hmm. And that was the major thing. And, you know, I remember the first time that I gave a termination on Northern Ireland. So, well, it actually happened the first three times that I just cried. 
because we actually changed history. We were doing something that, yes, some of the people in Northern Ireland don't want, but it was just, you know, women didn't have to suffer any more. We weren't treated as second class citizens. We weren't being shipped to another country. It was actually the clinicians in Northern Ireland who wanted to be terminal abortion providers doing it. Mm-hmm. And is that where you got the the confidence to to drive change? You know, from from some of the things you've just mentioned. More than likely, um, I think throughout the course of my career, I was probably a wee bit more. Um, I just knew whenever I trained to be a nurse that I was always told, you know, treat patients like they're your family, and that was one thing that never stopped for me throughout my whole career and I think I became just I hated seeing bad patient care and I probably would have been like no patients deserve better than that so I was a bit more voicey sometimes the doctors too (laughs) they probably still say that to me sometimes I'll go no that's not happening and I just go I just try and put myself into patient's shoes or if that was my family relative and go no that's not it we're not doing that actually um, and I give my justified reasons and then we come to a compromise <laughs> but I always just remember you know one of my mentors said to me because I was having a really hard day in work and I was like I can't do this and she just said to me Nicola sometimes you have to put on your big girl pants and I went big girl pants <laughs> big girl pants and just march on through and that has always stuck with me there's going to be people that don't agree with what you're doing there's going to be people that will try and tear you down and go do you know what um nobody nobody likes somebody that doesn't conform and has a voice and i figured that out in all my years of nursing and i think you know for me as long as i'm defending the patients i i will have that voice um and I remember one of the, and I think my most, I think where I got the major confidence was one day a doctor had spoke to one of my patients. Um, this is when I was doing MAU admission unit, and it was in the middle of um, visiting hours, and people relatives who went and spoke to this patient didn't pull a curtain, told the patient they had cancer. I was unaware of what occurred. And I literally frog marched him into the sister's office. I told him, don't ever do that to one of my patients again. You come speak to me because they need a family relative or they need a nurse beside them. You don't do that again. And he literally, he apologised. And I remember a few weeks later, um, he came down the corridor and he was like, Nicola, I have some news to tell a patient. I was like, that's fine. Give me 15 minutes. I'll get the patient sorted and I'll have a chat with them and we'll take it from there. So for me, sometimes you have to put on those big girl pants and just, do you know what, it's in the benefit of the patients and go, no, that will not be occurring. And whether people liked me or didn't like me in a team, you know, not everybody will like you anyway. And I was okay with that as long as I was doing right by the patients. Mm. And that must be incredibly hard. So call out a colleague as well it's something that um 
many will feel uncomfortable with, no doubt. Absolutely. It's not one of the easiest things. I can remember trembling. <laughs> I believe I'm actually doing this facing your daughter. <laughs> and I was just like, do you know what? I actually don't care because this is why nursing and medical fields are slightly different. And I think that's what makes nursing. Um, you know, um, I remember seeing a sister one day, folklore she doctor into her office too. And I think, you know, I was like, okay, it's just not me. It's just not me that does things like that at the end of the day. And, you know, me and him became such good friends and we're still friendly now, believe it or not, <laughs> about 10 years later, believe it or not. And I think that was, and he'll always say to me about that day. And, you know, and I was just like, well, what did you want me to do? That wasn't fair. You just be hard. You like it if that was your family member. And he was like, you know what? I thought you were right. And I was like, yeah, but if I hadn't said anything, how many more patients would you have done that to? Yeah, yeah. So he learned from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. And I was like, you can pass that on to the rest of your colleagues. And here's me, you know, now to tell them not to mess with <laughs> my patients. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You've been trouble. You. Basically, just yeah. pre warn them that I'm one of those. I will come at you, <laughs> not in a bad way, but in a way that I will give you that feedback and yeah. that criticism and just go, no, that's not how things are done. Yeah, that's yeah. not how things are done when you're when they're my patients. Yeah, and and you've had you've had so many challenges as well. <laughs> I mean, um, it, what would you say is? It, has been your sort of rock bottom moment um you know either either in the sort of um setting up of the rose clinic or or, or generally when you when you thought you know something just wouldn't work and and how did you kind of move beyond that I think it was when we were initially setting up the rose clinic so we got the go ahead to go then we got the go ahead stop then it was go stop go stop and I was getting really frustrated at this point because it was just like we were waiting a letter coming from the department to help to initiate all the trusts to actually start the services because unfortunately we just the chief executives of the trust each trust couldn't go ahead without having department and they were waiting for that that to come through and it was one of the most frustrating times because i was like right well have everything set here we're ready to go give me that bit of paper that i need to establish. And I think, you know, that was one of the lowest. I was just like, come on, two women have already tried to end their lives because they can't get to England. How many more women? And these aren't publicising this on the news because you don't want it to be seen because it's women's health as usual. You just don't want them to see what exactly is going on out there. Um, so I think that was, it was one of the most frustrating moments of my career because I was like you know if this was a man and I am not a, well technically I am technically a bit of a feminist but I do I just want equality for everybody and I think you know if the shoe was on the other foot would we be in the same position that we're in now with women's health care mm -hmm. I don't know um so I think that was one of the lowest moments for me and I'm trying I was trying to actually just overcome it and go right okay you know what 
if we don't get this letter, what do we do? Where do we need to go to make sure that this does come through and that the women in Northern Ireland can be seen on their home soil? Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, it did come through. And I was like, right, okay, let's establish and let's get ourselves moving. But the frustrating point of it all was that women still didn't know where to go to refer into services and they were going to that unregulated Stanton healthcare, unfortunately. Um, and that was a big frustration um, because these guys were using unregulated care and um, basically there was a lot of issues and by the time the women got through to us they were traumatised and that that was something that was so hard to see and these women were literally in front of tears in front of me because of what was occurring in Stanton and I literally I tried to report them to the RQA multiple times and unfortunately because the way they weren't scanning or anything well technically they were scanning but it wasn't by a regulated body I was just like they can't intervene and it was just it was so frustrating um but it's something that I won't give up on and because women do deserve better and at the end of the day people have choices and should be able to do what they need to do and and you've you obviously learned a lot from from your experiences i mean what, what would your advice be to someone who's who's looking to to lead influence and, and make change happen in their workplace i would always tell them look don't be afraid of it and go to the people that are ma- already making changes i think that was one of the things i learned quite late on on my career um to go around the people that are actually making those changes to be in those circles don't be around the people that say no you can't do that that is one of the most frustrating things and i've had that so many times and now i surround myself with people that are like okay let me show you how this is done and you know people will always try and put you down and they will always turn out and say you need to go back in your box um i think for me, you know, if you, you're innovative and you're creative and you want to do the best for your patients, don't let anybody try and stop you. Follow your code of conduct that the NMC provide. As long as you follow that code, just all the trusts have policies and procedures and things like that. But it's actually the NMC are the ones that you where you keep your registration with. It's not the trust. Yeah, yeah. So for me, if you know it's right for the patients, if it's something that you want to do, Go around the people that are already making change. Knock at those doors. See if you get turned away numerous times. That's absolutely fine. Do not be afraid of the failure. Failure. I think I was for quite a long time, and now I'm just like, you know what? Failure is a good thing because it teaches you when something comes to your door to actually appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It's about what we learn, isn't it, from failure as as well? Which yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's hard because a lot of people then just, it's great when you get your social friends and all the work and things like that. But if you want to be a go-getter in things, you have to look at the people that are doing that. You have to look at the people that are instilling change. Read what people are doing. The nursing awards are amazing for this. I, like, 
the past two years that I've been at them, I was like, is that actually happening? That is great. Let me see what's going on there. And, you know, people teach you so much and you can actually like learn so much from them. And that's what I love. And, you know, it's nice to see what's actually happening out there and what other people are becoming and doing for patients. And I love it. And I think that's what I would say to you, like, be careful who your social circle are and make sure that you, if you want to instill change, look at the people that are doing it, have done it, and even knock at the door and just go, okay. I think that's one of the things that I'm starting to do now. I used to be afraid to turn around and say something to it. I just go, can you help? Mm. And I think asking for help is one of the most um, I have, asking for help I have one of these ideas you know if you go to the right people the right people will help you not everybody will in nursing and we have to accept that but if you go to the right people the right people will help you so I mentioned in the introduction how some nurses may either feel like an imposter or that they're too junior to lead change so what would you say to them you are never too too young to start or too junior to start. At the end of the day, we're all here for patients. Imposter syndrome actually happens to quite a lot of people. And, um, you know, it can regularly occur with people. What I would say to you is, as long as you know what you're doing is right for your patients, for the greater good, then absolutely continue on doing it. It is so hard to contact, to counteract, beg your pardon, those negative thoughts sometimes because it's like oh will people listen to me because I don't have like a higher up uniform or you know my I'm only qualified about a month or two what would I know and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we do have but we don't appreciate the voices of the newly qualified people coming out because at the end of the day, they have that fresh knowledge and wisdom, as I would call it, that they can teach us a thing, of a thing or two and how to move forward. One thing I know myself, I suffer from imposter syndrome and I regularly suffer with it. Um, like even winning these awards, I go, okay, I did my job as a nurse. That's what I was trained to do at the end of the day, patients say at the heart of everything I do so and then people turn around and go to me but what you did Nicola and I go mm, you know did I do enough to deserve and there's my imposter syndrome starting again <laughs> you know it's just what I did was difficult and people realize that and I realize that too what I did in the face of Northern Ireland yes it was really difficult so you know people are always going to turn around and put me off and a lot of people did turn around and put me off and go you know this isn't the best way forward and i was just like no but it is the best thing for the patients so what i would sort of say to leaders that are in these environments they create the culture of what we do so if you've got a good leader it's up to them to help you in that environment to get rid of that imposter syndrome. So don't ever think because of what uniform you wear, whether it be a healthcare worker, a junior nurse, even a domestic 
that you can't implement change because you actually can. It's just turning those thoughts into your head into something positive and reiterating, do you know what? This is actually for the patients because in the end of the day, one of us will either be a patient, our family members will be a patient. So what would you like to see happening on the ground? And um, for me, you know, it's understanding those obstacles for your imposter syndrome and having a look and reflecting at who you are as a person. Is that the right area for me also? I was in, I had the opportunity of starting my career in a and &E, and then I did medical admissions and then I did surgery. I think I've been around the block. A lot of obstacles for me in Northern Ireland. So it's about creating that positive mental picture for you to get rid of that imposter syndrome and embrace the challenge that comes with it. From you know, you sort of have those conversations in your head where you go, okay, hi, am I actually standing in a room which I've been in with the chief executive of the NMC and starting up here with quite high people? Why am I in this room? But then I was like, you know what, I actually deserve to be in this room. Because they teach me, I teach them, and that's how the world should work. And I think for that mentorship, it is such a good thing to have. But always, do you know what, just tackle. You have to tackle your own mind sometimes. And I think it's about creating your friend circle, creating those circles in work that would support you and also drive you forward for change. And that will sort of help that imposter syndrome. I think that's really helpful and um, people will find it very reassuring that you also experience imposter syndrome, <laughs> including me. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting trait to have. But you know what? I actually don't care what people think of me anymore. And I think that's when you get to that point with imposter syndrome where you actually don't care whether people read what you do or, you know, watch how you navigate your nursing field I think as long as you're staying true to who you are as a nurse and what you want to do then do you know what the imposter syndrome it does reduce down it will never be completely gone let's face it um that would just be perfect but you know I think yeah you'll get there but it will become less and less so I also wanted to ask you um, what your experience with the, the Rose Clinic has, has taught you and how has it helped um, shape how you take your ideas forward? Um, it's taught me that however I move and my ideas are, you know, worthy of being accepted. I know that sounds strange, but, you know, a lot of people turn out and say, oh, that will never work that'll never do and I think you know people need to realize you know that's just one person and I think for me now moving forward with these ideas and the people that I know you know I am not ashamed or afraid to turn around and have an idea and you know I think one of the things is you know if I feel at something that's okay if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't um, and I think you know we should all try and be that way bit creative and I think that's what nurses normally are creative and forward thinkers and um, 
the experience of the Rose Clinic, you know, it has driven, it has given me some drive and passion to actually do a lot of changes in women's health. I looked at the women's health strategy and went, oh, <laughs> and read it and taken more ideas. And now that um, I, I see what I can sort of bring to the table and sort of looking at going through those doors now, you know, I'm going to be looking at people that have had more years experience than me and um, are probably going to look and go, who do you think you are? And I'm going to go, but you know, this is what I can see from it. And this is probably how we should interact. And whether people accept that or not, I just have to let go of the perfectionism sometimes that I have and just move forward with those ideas. And, and also your um, award has opened up a lot of networking opportunities for you, hasn't it? And um, what, what are you learning from them and, and how can others do that with, within their, their own existing circles? The awards has definitely opened up quite a significant um, circle for me. You know, one thing I would say to people is don't be afraid to actually put yourself forward. I didn't put myself forward for the awards. I was nominated by my clinical lead. And, um, you know, it wasn't, I remember her texting me and I remember it straight out. It was a Thursday night and she said to me, Nicola, I'm nominating you for these, which may I think there's better nurses out there than me, but after lock on if you think any like this, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you feel that you want to. <laughs> and um, I remember, you know, and I was just like, and then the next thing was, I got this phone call and I was in my granny's and it was Elaine Coley and Marcy and I sitting chatting to me and I was like, aha, there's me, yep, no bother. And I was just like, granny, I just had this strange call for me about the awards. And she says like, oh, and I was like, yeah. And then I think, you know, I have, um, I have now, I am now, like, when I met the chief executive of the NMC, I was just like, I'm actually making you face to face, this is crazy. Um, and chatting to her about, you know, what I've done and things and moving things forward. And she was just like, so down to earth and so helpful and friendly. And then Joanne Bosenkay, that I, who's actually a mentor of mine, um, she was just like, she's shown me and leading me forward like her career has been amazing and for her to actually accept me as a men as a mentee it's just incredible because I'm learning from some of the best minds in nursing of how to move nursing forward and how to like develop myself and I think you know that's one of the best things about the awards and I've met so many people and I'm actually friendly with a couple of the people from the awards that won or didn't win and um, like we're all sharing our knowledge and experience and that is one of the most effective things from the award because we all get to bond together and like share our ideas or you know if we can help somebody or push things through um but the it's just been I'm still in shock and I still don't believe it because somebody said to me, you're now a leader in Russian and I went, I don't think so. But 
um, I was like, I don't feel I have that experience or knowledge behind me enough to actually be that leader. And I think, you know, um, and I'm in these circles and I'm just looking, going, how can I be standing next to the chief nursing officer for England or all these CNOs? And I'm going, I'm just in awe being in their presence. So I'm trying to take as much knowledge and experience from them. And I think, you know, it's such a great feeling that they're actually accepting me also, because they're like complimenting me and I'm going, no, but I'm looking at your work going, what you've done is amazing. And I don't think people should be afraid, no matter what level of nursing that you're at. You know, one of the things I do pride myself on is just because I'm in a senior role doesn't mean that I won't get down and do a healthcare worker's job. Then today, yes, there is that hierarchy in the NHS, but respect has to be given and taken. So for me, if something needs done, I'm happy to get roll up my sleeves and get it done. And I think that's one of the most important things no matter where you go i think that's what the social circle social circus and nursing have taught me no matter where you go you still are a nurse mm-hmm. at the end of the day and you respect everybody at every level and i think that is one of the major things that anybody moving up their career pathway should always remember you were there at that level before so just as you go up just remember who you were at the beginning mm-hmm. and you're certainly a very approachable person so I like to think so um, yeah I do have an open door policy so I'm very much I love educating and teaching and patient and um, making sure patients have the best so if I can teach other nurses you know how it's done or you know what to do then I'm always willing to do that because I just love being a nurse like seeing I tell people I'm a nurse you know don't mention the titles because they'll go and um, people are like oh somebody <laughs> mentioned last night to a patient that I was actually seeing at five o'clock last night and they're like oh she just won an OBE and the patient was like, oh, I'm being treated by an OBE, am I? And I was just like, no, you're being treated by a nurse. And I and I was just laughing and she was laughing with me. Here she was, I should get your autograph. I was like, no, you will not. Just <laughs> 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 be like, at the end of the day, I'm a nurse and I will <laughs> give you what you need. Um, so I think that's one of the major things that I've learned. It's amazing to be around all these people and learn from them and develop. And you know, if I can be half as good of a leader as what they are, then I know I'm doing something right. Mm. And that kind of nicely um, segues into my 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 kind of final question for you, which um, is you know a very easy one. you know know, leave the best for last um so what is your your top tip for being an effective nurse leader at at any level so i have a criteria that i will up. you know one of the most to be an effective nurse leader and for me 
I always use this phrase and it's always stuck by me. You know, one of the most dangerous phrases in the English language is we've always done it this way. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, change will always come about. And that's one thing I do like to say about any team I work in. Like change is adamant, nursing grows, develops, and um, how we work together. As I said before, I have an open door policy. I am led back. I will respect you. You respect me. We have that those conversations. Um, I think also I'm always about, you know, I'm celebrating like staff successes. Um, I let go of perfectionism when it comes to teams because at the end of the day, sometimes no team is going to be perfect and there's going to be issues in it and i think you know if you're a leader and you're trying to micromanage i think that's really bad because you know you have to trust the team you're working in otherwise as an effective leader you are going to have so many issues come back at you um for me i like to cultivate um area of self-compassion where you know we all have personal lives and sometimes, you know, I was told one time you, you leave your personal life at the door when you walk into the hospital. And I was like, how can you do that sometimes? Why do you do that? You know, sometimes that's just not possible. And I think it's, as I said, I've said to staff, look, if you are having issues at home or if there's anything that you need, you come speak to me because what I can do is I can titrate down your workload that day. I can make sure that you've got extra support and things like that. And I think in nursing sometimes with what's happening with the short staffed and, you know, everything that's occurring, it's very, very hard to do that. And I know managers are under a lot of stress. And sometimes I think that um, staff below forget managers are people themselves. And they have lives and, you know, sometimes they need that bit of TLC because they're getting it from above. They're getting it from below and you're stuck in the middle and you're going, OK, what do I do? You know, you're trying to please your staff, but you're also looking at what senior management needs to develop. So for me, it's about, you know, sharing your feelings with everybody about what's happening and sharing your failures and accepting what's going on and you know I do a lot of mindset work and you know I change my mindset from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset and it is one of the most enlightening things you'll ever do because not everything rolls off your back right? mm -hmm. you just go I don't stress about things the way they were and I prioritise self-care when I get home. It's very hard, you know, people have families, they have people looking them or friends and things like that. Sometimes you'll never be everything to everybody and being an effective leader is making sure that you look after yourself but also making sure that you are aligned with the values of who you are and that's one of the major, major things that I've learned align myself to my values. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what people think, whether they agree whether I'm an abortion care provider or not. At the end of the day, their opinion of me doesn't matter. But as a leader, I have to be that role model and show people like you'll never be perfect and you'll never get it right.
But as long as you own, and that's one of the things I pride myself on, being open and honest. And I will hold my hands up if I do something wrong and go, do you know what? I did it. Made a mistake. It's a learning curve for me. And, you know, I think sometimes there are certain managers out there that they don't admit that they have done anything wrong. And I think that's one of the worst things you can do for your staff and your team. Because at the end of the day, we're all not perfect. And I would rather somebody turn around and say to me, do you know what, I made a mistake. And, um, and I think we need to start um, cultivating a culture like that where it's open. Yes, they do say it's open and honest, but not many people are, unfortunately. Um, but that's what I pride myself on. And that's the what I would class as an effective leader. And I think that's some, a lot of the things that I drive on to and making sure the patients have the care that they need and it's the best that they can get. And you always learn the facts about every situation. I go into being a leader without learning your facts also. But, you know, I, I look at the leaders that are already out there and are doing and showing the best that they can be and admitting their faults. And I think I follow a lot of people that are open and honest. And I think a lot of people should be doing that more and looking at the people that are being brave and tackling inequalities and pushing forward. And um, if you had um, a final word on on nursing leadership, what, what, what are you feeling about it now in this moment today? I have had um, good nursing leadership and bad nursing leadership. All I can say is to people, look, please remember where you came from. At the end of the day, you were a junior nurse at some point. And you need to remember what nurses are currently going through and we need to support each other at the end of the day we should be celebrating everybody's successes whether you have awards or not awards and just showing that at the end of the day it's like the patients and that we need to be pushing more for patient care rather than um Policies and sometimes procedures. Sometimes, you know, yes, policies and procedures are great, but sometimes there's that grey area where you can get around things and make sure that staff and patients are both supported. Well, Nicola, thank you very much for uh, sparing the the time to to speak to me today. I found it really um, fascinating and inspiring, and I'm sure uh, listeners will too. So, thank you very much for for taking part in in the podcast. No, thank you very much for having me. I hope I've done it justice, to be honest. Um, I don't know whether I stumbled across some things there, um, but yeah, no, it's been great to be in here. It's one of the podcasts I definitely have wanted to be doing, so I'm delighted that I was able to do it. Thank you for, for taking part.